Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Bonus Point Podcast once again. My name is TJ Olson, and I'm very excited to have such an incredible guest today with us. Um, he is someone that I've been following pretty closely throughout his playing and coaching career, and he's had um, some impact on both men and women. So very stoked to have him on this side of the world in America, um, over here, able to develop and grow the game. So please welcome current New York Ironworkers head coach, James Semple. Thank you so much for being on the Bonus Point today, James. How's it going? Oh, my pleasure, TJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, no, it's going well. Um, loving life over here in New York. It's it's, a, it's an amazing city, and uh, we've got a great bunch of lads, and um, just learning and growing every day. So, yeah, very grateful for, the, for this opportunity, and yeah, just soaking it all up at the moment. No, that's awesome. And before I start picking your brain about the MLR, Super Rugby, and, and delve into your coaching career, I'd, I'd love to get an insight into how you've been enjoying the transition from New Zealand to the US so far, because I, I know overseas for you isn't isn't something new i know you've you've played overseas and, and you've obviously been coaching at uh utah for a little bit as well and now you're uh the head coach at, at new york so what's been the change like from new zealand to the america lifestyle oh for me um in terms of the coaching side i just love coaching so for me it doesn't really matter who, who i'm coaching um yeah just love trying to grow people and I work together to achieve a common goal. So for me to be able to do that um, in what lots of people and I definitely perceive as the greatest city in the world, um, I still have to pinch myself that it's true. And um, yeah, just loving life. Like it's such an amazing city over here. There's always something going on, but we're quite lucky where I live. I live in Hoboken, which is actually over the other side of the Hudson River. So we look back at Manhattan and um so it's a bit it's a bit quieter over here, but then it's about a fifteen minute train ride to go into into the Big Apple. So you, you get the pretty pretty it. picturesque view, and you get all the quiet stuff. That sounds like nothing like New York. Anybody really says it is, mate. Yeah, they always say the best view of New York is not in New York. So yeah, I've got the best <laughs> of both worlds, I think. Um, but yeah, um, learning heaps, being challenged. Um, uh, I feel like we're growing as a team a lot, which is exciting. And I think, I'm not sure if you saw the game of the week, weekend, but I think um, that unlocked a little bit of the potential that we've always known that we've had and we just haven't been able to put, uh, put that out. But yeah, hopefully that was a big turning point for us on the weekend. Yeah, I think you guys, like some other teams that obviously have the the championship run and, and the transition that has happened over the year, you've obviously suffered a few injuries with your coaching staff, uh, sorry, with your player staff. And then also um, just a few different other things. But I, I feel like throughout the whole New York season, we've seen glimpses of, of what the team has potentially. But I think oh, I do agree is, is now you're starting to get into the flow of um, everything and the team's really starting to get it humming. Yeah, mate. Yeah. It was, it was always going to be a challenge coming in. Um, obviously off the back of a championship and lots of my mates sort of said, oh, why are you taking that job? You can only go down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, uh, yeah, I totally understood what they said. Like, they're like, I oh, should take a team that came bottom, so you're going to look good. But oh, for me, um, it's just a great challenge and obviously awesome opportunity f for myself. And um, the organisation showed a lot of courage um, taking me on um, as, as a young coach. Um, but, yeah, I'm very grateful and thankful and obviously I believe they made made the right decision and yeah sort of where I started with that there's always going to be that transition period when a new uh, coaching group comes in just with the style of play and the players getting used to that um, and we've been working on a few things especially around changing and swinging momentum um, and just with our yeah sort of staying in the present 
um, has been a big focus for us, being task to task rather than what happened in, in, in the past or what's going to happen in the future. Um, and I think, yeah, we've sort of been working on that a lot and um, it was very pleasing to see it sort of come come together on the weekend. But the challenge for us now is to make sure that that, that wasn't a one-off and we, we keep building forward. So pretty excited to see what we can do this weekend as well. Well, I mean, hiring, I think if you see someone who's, who's applying for a job that's uh, the only places down, I think you know that you've got someone who loves a challenge. So that's that's a that's a good one to see if you've got a, <laughs> a candidate like that. But let's, let's rip in and let's chat about your coaching journey first because I would love to get an insight into what brought you to coaching because I saw you play in the NPC back in the day for counties and, and I also love to see players transition to coaching because it's, it's passing on that guidance and, and the lessons you've learned to that next generation. And I think especially that that comes hand in hand with America who does have a very new outlook into rugby, at least in the professional sense. And the first time I heard about you coaching was when you were coaching the Waikato women's Farrah Palmer cup team. And, and did you always have an interest in coaching or was it something that happened during your playing career and the interest started sparking or was that something that you always saw doing once you finished your playing career? Yeah, I, I sort of fell into it accidentally at the start um, and I'd started quite early. So for me, I, I really wanted to be an All Black ever since I was seven. Um, I just wanted to be an All Black. Everything was guiding towards trying to be an All Black and um for, for a number of reasons that that didn't work out, which, yeah, I was obviously gutted about. But then, yeah, I sort of sort of was like, oh, well, what else can I sort of chase? What can be my next goal? And then um, I was like, I do really love just rugby and thinking about the game, how it's a bit of a game of chess. And I truly believe it's a game that everyone can play, no matter where you, what your background is, um, your body shape or size. And I don't think you can say that about any sport and, yeah, and then then I uh, managed to get a gig over in Scotland as, as as still playing and working for Scotland Rugby. And then as soon as I started coaching, I think it was under 15s or um, something like that. And I don't know, I just I set a few coaching points and I saw um, the boys that, that I was coaching at the time sort of put them in place and the buzz they got. And I just got this sense of feeling over me. And I was just like, ah, oh, this is this is awesome. And, yeah. And then from pretty much that moment, I still remember that feeling. Um, I just was like, I, I want to coach the All Blacks now. So, yeah, just I pretty much was trying to get coaching jobs and and still playing, but more trying to lean towards the coaching side. And then, yeah, one thing led to another, and I ended up pretty much getting a job at Waikato Rugby, where um, I wasn't allowed to, if, if I was coaching, I wasn't allowed to play. So, I was 27 then, so sort of um, hung up the boots and. I was just, yeah, it was a hard decision, but I was just like, oh, that's that's my goal now. It's what what I need to do, and yeah, then yeah, I was lucky enough to get the Utah gig where I got another playing opportunity as well as a coach. So that was really cool to finish on that note. Because um, I feel like you have a not a similar situation, but um, Paul Williams, who was a referee, I just listened to him recently with an interview, and he had a similar situation. He was he was twenty six, twenty seven, and he had started just. Uh, refereeing quite early on in his age and he he gave it a crack and then he got given an opportunity to become like a, a full-time referee and then that's that's the type of sacrifice that you have to make it in in between those weird stages where you still can play footy you still have aspirations to do it but if you find a passion and you find that motivation obviously you love a challenge that coaching thing is, is kind of going to be burning in your belly and you want to want to give it a crack so although it is a tough thing to give up it is something that really sparks motivation in you 
Yeah, hundred percent, mate. And and also like because because I want because my goal is to be at the top um, of coaching. I tried to just think of a way how I can get ahead because you you see um, players transition from All Blacks straight into sort of those professional jobs, which which is fair enough. And totally not having to go at that, but I was just like, how can I be a point of difference against those guys and be selected in those jobs? And it's getting that experience um, under my belt early and putting myself in different situations to, to gain that experience and um, gather knowledge from different people and cultures. Because um, it for me, coaching is just uh, working with people and trying to get the best out of um, individuals to tie into a group um, goal. So um, if I can work better with people, then, then um, yeah, hopefully I can do the best job I can as a coach. And so that was kind of your motivation to start coaching in the women's game as well as like provide you with different, um, cause that's what I found coaching both men and women. It definitely gives you different aspects of thinking. It's, it's not, um, same in an retrospect, but there are same aspects. Like, so you really have to think about it, break it down. But was that really your motivation for coaching in the women's game? Just getting that different experience? A little bit, but it's sort of just what I said before. I just I love coaching, and um, there was an awesome opportunity to coach the Waikato women's, and um, yeah, jumped to that with both hands. And I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without that experience. And I'll forever grateful for what those women taught me about the game, um, about the love for the game, um, the sacrifice that they had to make just to get on the field. Like their their mums, their full time mm-hmm. professionals, and they're still turning up as dedicated as ever. Um, and then in terms of like your delivery, I think working with a woman is so good for your coaching, especially for a new coach, because they ask a lot of questions about why and how. So you have to be really across across your stuff. And um, yeah, if I speak from my wife, she's she really appreciates honesty and she'll confront. So um, yep. you have to be really honest in your conversations because they'll call you up pretty quickly if, if you're fluffing over things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my wife does for sure anyway. So <laughs> It's always good to have someone in, in your camp who's, who's there to support you and there to call you out on your ball as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. yeah. That's always good. Well, let's let's chat a little bit about your current role now because obviously you, you've done the hard yards and, and you're currently in the role with New York at the moment um, because, like you said, a lot of coaches, they, they do get their start from either playing professional rugby or, or transitioning into that role and and you do see predominantly in this league, a lot of the coaches are from New Zealand or Australia or from an overseas background, because although I've seen, obviously Americans, they do have the the passion and, and the tenacity to really become great coaches. They really develop themselves. They hammer themselves down and they really want to learn. But a lot of the experience does come from people who come from tier one nations. So um, when you're coming over to America, you're looking at that situation what what's the first thing running through your mind as as a player coach stepping in at Utah? Um, oh, look, checking ch- that that was what four years ago. Now. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think I just thought it was an awesome opportunity um, to get over. There. So I originally just got signed as a coach, and then um, our, our tens arrived late. So our head coach at the time um, just asked me to jump in, and then you yeah, sent me for a medical, and yeah, I played ten of the sixteen games. Uh, but then throughout that time, I always just was a coach first in my head, and then I was just playing um, to try to try out the team out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just a chance to gain more experience to try grow that team and help that team as much as I could at the time. And that was another awesome experience for myself, and I learned a lot um, quickly um, 
in a in a really different environment. We we had eleven different um different ethnicities in that in that group and oh wow uh, yeah it was, it was there was heaps which which is awesome and you can really tap into that um and then the, the difference that's probably the biggest thing over here is the is the very level of playing abilities so you've got mm-hmm. like yeah boys that are all black super rugby players and then, then you've got players that have transitioned um over from maybe american football and uh, just in the the early years of rugby so pitching at different levels is is, is um, a really exciting thing about coaching over here. Yeah, I think no matter where you coach, at least for, for me, what I've found is that obviously you nail down your coaching squad, you nail down your playing squad, and then once you have those initial jobs down, it's usually the same everywhere. You come into the program, um, which obviously you had your own difficulties that had an established culture already, but you, you get to know your players. You build that rapport, like you said, which I really enjoy is like you, you're getting to know the people, not just the athlete. Um, and you, you get to know what makes them tick. But um, the thing that you're talking about with navigating America, the disparity between the things like rugby IQ and the skill level, like you said, is much bigger. Um, but then I feel like you also with America, you have the upside of a, a large pool of amazing athletes, like you said, from American football. And and you see, obviously, Carlin Isles, who's come from track and field, and he's, he's produced a very good career for himself. And you've seen the development over the years. Um, has that been a challenge because you you've come from a country where basically all kids in New Zealand have grown up with a footy in their hands, or have you just embraced it like everything else you've done, like just like another challenge and it's kind of been something you've been like frothing at the mouth for. Yeah. I I think if I draw back to like my purpose and why I enjoy coaching, it's just trying to help people achieve their goals. And obviously with those transition athletes, they're amazing athletes um, and they just want to get better and achieve a new goal. So to try help them do that is, is amazing and an awesome um, challenge. And we've got a boy in our in our team, oh man, sorry, um, Caleb, Caleb Gager, and he transitioned, I think, three years ago to be a hooker. Um, mm-hmm. They found him in a bar in, in Colorado. And <laughs> as, you, as you do when you go into bars, just go on to scope out all, all the best rugby players or, or potential prospects. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, find a good few good blokes in bars, eh? Uh, <laughs> But yeah, he, he's he's a he's a specimen of a man, so I can see why they picked him. But hmm. in terms of his character and work ethic, uh, he's exactly what we exemplify as iron workers here in New York. And he got he's been training as a hooker, and then we've had a few injuries um, to tight head prop. And then first man to put his hand up, and he's been starting at tight head prop for us the last couple of games and doing a hell of a job. So just it's just so cool. Um, just being a part of that, seeing that, and our Ford's coach Ben has done an amazing job as well at upskilling them really quickly. And mm-hmm. there's also massive positives as well with those guys that haven't played rugby for as as long as us from New Zealand, where they haven't actually learnt um, any any bad habits or anything. Where they're, they're just a sponge and a blank canvas with amazing athletes. So their their growth acceleration is huge, and their, their ceiling's massive. Um, mm-hmm. And it, when you have good coaches, willing athletes to learn, like that, they can go really quickly. And um, Caleb's doing an amazing job for us. I love that's a great way to look at it. Is like there's there's only opportunity for development and only only ways you can you can grow and, and develop that player's um, skill set and IQ and, and just them as a person as well. Because I, I feel like rugby is is not just a, a great game to teach. Is it's also um, 
teaches you a lot of different values that you can use out in, in different walks of life as well. And I feel like um, you see so many rugby teams, they come together, they build that cohesion and then they just become just much better members of society after that. Oh, for sure. Like, cause it's so, you have to have so much resilience, you know, and, and courage, like you've got to get up, you've got to run into a brick wall and you, you know that they're big boys and mm-hmm. they're coming for you as well. So to have the courage to, to, take that on and be scared and still go through with it and then have the resilience to get back up and do it again um, when, when you're blind, when you're tired. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's such a good sport. And as you said, you can uh, take lots of learnings from that and in, into your whole life. Yeah, I feel like with American football, all you have to do is do it for one or two downs and then you get to come off the field and have a rest. But like with rugby, you can't run away from the, the big Samoan boy that's coming to tackle you every, every single ruck. So yeah, that's, that's always a good one. But um I do want to talk about, because obviously coming from New Zealand, a big part of this competition, um, from, from a player perspective, you have a lot, of, a lot of Kiwis, you have a lot of Aussies, you have a lot of other different international, South Africa, other countries, but um, a big contingent is made up of New Zealand players who at least played either Super Rugby they, or they played in the provincial unions. And you see a lot of those guys week in, week out in New York, obviously. Um, and I think I read a stat. You, I think we've got, now got 660 New Zealand players who are now playing overseas and guys like Ed Fidau, Cara Pryor, um, you guys, and they're able to mesh with guys like uh, Pago Heine, uh, Dylan Fawcett, Nate Brakeley. So when you look at that kind of aspect um, and seeing those players gel together, you've obviously got Dylan Fawcett, who's a, who's a tremendous player and, and getting to see his, his journey come into this team and, and guys who have played from overseas have you seen anything that has, has kind of like surprised you seeing those types of players or or different styles gel together? Anything that's come out of it or has it just been business as usual? Uh, surprised me. I think probably the thing that surprised me the most coming to New York um, was just the culture within the boys. As soon as I got here, there was this um, sh- strong just your yeah, iron working mentality that, that they'd already created um, uh, through the years um, before I got here. So coming in and then just finding how I can fit into that and try help grow and enhance that um, was, re- was really cool and, and really easy because there's such a good group of men. So I think the only surprising thing was, was just how strong that culture already was and that not too much needed to change it at all in terms of the playing group, in terms of the culture. Um, you just have to come in and fine tune it a little bit and just add add your little spark onto it. Yeah, that's probably been generous to myself. Like, <laughs> like there's so much there already that um, that they do so well within the group. Um, yeah, and it's sort of just carrying that on. And mm-hmm. I think as a young coach, sometimes you and I have to check myself on this regularly. Is you come in and you think you need to put your mark on things and you need to change things. And it needs to be your idea, but. I think being, being a good coach is having good coach intuition and um, just looking looking at it from the outside, being self-aware, does this actually need a change? Um, is that going to benefit the team or is it really good? And is that just maybe your ego or insecurity talking and what is actually best for the team in this situation? And that's mm-hmm. something I'm, I'm sort of continuously trying to do. Like For me, it doesn't matter who comes up with the answer as long as someone in the team comes up with the answer and it's the right answer and then we all jump on board and we all do it together. Um, yeah, so 
Yeah, I don't. I've, I've gone on a tangent there. I don't know if I've answered your question, but <laughs> no, I, no, I think I think you didn't. I think you probably added more information than than I was hoping for. No, I, I do. I do agree with you. Is is that's the thing where um, I, I do tend to see that a lot is people have built a cohesive nature and and things are working and there there doesn't really necessarily have to be this big thing that needs to change that come in to put your stamp on it. I do agree with you. It could be something as simple as like this little thing or finding this one little point and then throwing it out to the boys and they, they problem solve together or someone problem solves. And then they, it turns out that the answer was there all along. They just needed to go find it. So no, I think, I think that was the perfect answer, mate. That was, that was good stuff. But um, I think the last question I want to ask you just regarding around the players and in, in here in America, just looking at New Zealand rugby, because obviously you've coached for a couple of different provinces um, in New Zealand and you have a good purview on, on what the New Zealand playing group looks like what the coaching group looks like do you now think that this is a good opportunity for players who might necessarily not get a super rugby contract who don't want to just sit at home and play club rugby and and wait for the provincial season to come around that um, major league rugby is is a great place to develop their craft and and it strengthens um, the provincial unions when they come back during the mlr off season i think in terms of like and yeah individual playing um growth um i think mlr is an awesome opportunity for those like you said those those players that are good minor 10 cut uh npc players and they want to train and play professionally get a good experience overseas i think mlr is awesome for that development um and saying that as well like i'm I'm a big believer in club rugby as well like i think Mm -hmm. um for new zealand rugby to be strong club rugby needs to be strong because um, when 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 boys are in those super teams, because the squads are well, close to fifty now, so those boys need to go back and play club too. So, yeah, um, I think the challenge now we've got that funding in New Zealand rugby is how can New Zealand rugby make that club rugby really strong? And some some of my best experiences playing club rugby and being being involved in club rugby, and there's so many good people there, and I think that's what has made New Zealand rugby great in the past. So, I'd really like to see. What they do, I don't know what the answer is, but what they do there in New Zealand rugby to make sure club rugby gets strong. Because I was working in club rugby back in New Zealand last year, and it's yeah, amazing people, but it's tough, like tough getting boys constantly turn up to training because there's so much going on and so many other interests um, mm-hmm. outside of rugby these days, and everything's accessible. Um, but yeah, how how can we make that really attractive to boys? And yeah, yeah, I don't know what the answer is, but I'd really love to see how that evolves and if we can make that happen in New Zealand. But in terms of MLR, it's, it's an awesome competition as well. And, and what an experience getting to live in America, experience all the different cultures. It's an amazing country. Like this week we're off to Chicago and we're yep. traveling. And that, that's pretty much like a different country compared to New York and you go to New Orleans <laughs> and that's a different, different country pretty much again. Yeah. Uh, so to have these experience with the vehicle being rugby is, yeah, it's so, and I love living overseas as well. So, oh man, I, yeah, can't, can't speak more highly enough than, than what's happening over here in the MLR as well. So I've got a foot in both camps in terms of club rugby in New Zealand and MLR. No, I, I agree with you. I think that club rugby, when it is strong, New Zealand rugby is strong. I definitely do agree with that as well, because you, you see it now is that um, club rugby, provided a lot of opportunities for now Moana Pacifica is now an expansion team you see a lot of guys that were playing heavily in club rugby now finally given an opportunity to play uh, regular minutes in NPC and then regular minutes now in super rugby and, and the pathway is still there I feel like a lot of people are saying that the pathway is 
kind of eroded because there's so many opportunities over in Japan, over in um, other other places. But I do say that if club club rugby in New Zealand is strong, New Zealand rugby is strong. So there, I, I agree with you. There there isn't one answer to solve the puzzle, but I feel like if, if New Zealand rugby utilised the the Silver Lake funds that they've now been given to really pump that money into into grassroots and and do their due diligence and, and research about how they can improve it as best as possible. I agree with you. So, yeah, no, spot on again. I, I do do enjoy it. But um, I do want to talk about your coaching staff lastly because when I saw that coaching staff, I was like, man, <laughs> it's it's unreal. Ben Afiaki, uh, Ollie Richardson, and I was I was stoked to hear that you were able to retain Andy Ellis to, to stay over as well because I got to meet him briefly following the game against the, the LA Giltinis last year. And after I stopped fangirling for a little bit after meeting one of my rugby idols, I got to chat to him a bit and his passion for the city of New York and, and how his whanau has been enjoying life over in America. And it was remarkable to hear how much he's been enjoying it so much. And and just having someone like that in your camp must be phenomenal. How, how has it been to have so many great rugby minds over in your team and able to bounce ideas off and, and just go through the motions with that? Oh mate, I'm I'm learning um, so much every day from from those guys. They're they're all amazing people. Um, for, first of all, and um, they've got a real growth mindset, which is really important to us here here in New York. And um, we all just work together to try to achieve that common goal that that we're striving for, which is ultimately just to make people better and reach their potential. Um, and and we believe if we do that well, um, then then the shield will come. So, uh, yeah, Ben Ben is. Uh, one of the best coaches I've worked with. He's extremely detailed, um, extreme, takes a lot of care at individuals. Um, he's really good on the culture side of things as well. I'm very extremely creative. So he's a great coach. He, he challenges me, which is good and been awesome for my growth. And um, yeah, I think we work really well together. And then Ollie, Ollie's awesome as well. So he, he came back from last year. So having his knowledge and expertise around the group um, has been extremely valuable, especially for myself with setting up the season and um, the programming and training um, has been, yeah, it would be a lot harder if he wasn't here. And again, he cares deeply about our individuals and he's got a very good system um, to get our boys fit um, with a number of different ways because um, he's from an MMA background as well. Mm-hmm. And then, so Andy's Andy's with us full time, which and I talked about that iron worker sort of culture and standards and stuff before. And Andy was a massive part of setting that up with our identity because um, he's he's done a lot of that with the Crusaders and obviously the All Blacks. And he's very very smart around that stuff. Amazing with people in terms of getting the best out of people. And an amazing man as well. And obviously his rugby details are second to none. Um, mm-hmm. So he's he's actually in um, in New Zealand with his family because that was one of the big things for him was getting back with his family back there. But he's still he's in, I'm pretty much in contact with him oh, at least three times a week and just being able to bounce ideas off him in different situations. Uh, this is happening. How would you deal with that? Or I've got this idea. What do you think? Um, having someone of that rugby IQ and um, human IQ. Um, is yeah just gold gold for myself and he also challenges me too um, and that's that's scary <laughs> but yeah it's yeah keeps you honest and makes you be across your stuff um, and then obviously we've got Rick Salito who's um, who's our CEO and he's he's been awesome for me in terms of uh, giving me confidence um, believing in me 
even when we weren't getting results, which was which was big. Um, and then also just the way he's well, he's run New Zealand's most successful shows, you know. So the way he can organise people, get the best out of people in a group. Um, I'm learning so much from him as well. So yeah, it couldn't ask for a better group of people to work with in terms of management and the playing group as well. Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention um, our analysts too. So Aaron Hodge, who was with the Black Ferns um, for the past six years and won the World Cup last year, is with us as well. And man, his, what a what a guy to have on the team, man. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, he's, man, no, he's such a hard worker, and even his detail of like the little things, like we'll be doing a clean out or he'll notice something with the foot and he'll just bring that up and like just having that different voice that we can draw on as well. And the, what, what he can do with um, the video side of stuff to enhance learning is gold. Um, yeah. So having learning off him and working with him has been, been great for the team and also myself. So yeah, mate, could, couldn't ask for more. And so hopefully I just uh, hope we can back that up with um, some more results um, for the rest of the season. Nah, I hear it. It's, I, I think COVID's been obviously, a big downturn for a lot of reasons, obviously from a health perspective and just from so many other reasons, but it really showed that there's so many opportunities, at least virtually, like if you've got Andy virtually three times a week, I know one of the girls in, um, that was down at Canterbury that got injured for the Black Ferns, she was doing analysis for, for the coaching staff um, leading up to the World Cup and all those types of things. It's, it's really interesting to see the opportunities that come from just behind a computer and just being able to bounce ideas off people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, amazing to see the, the growth that's happened in the game over the last few years yeah for sure mate and yeah well look look at us talking here on this podcast you know? <laughs> yeah six six hours away on a flight and we're still able to have a chat and we'll chat about rugby but that leads me into my next question which because super rugby i want i want to pick your brain because obviously you don't get many people who watch super rugby regularly and i know you got your hands full over here in mlr but i know you'd probably keep in touch with all the super rugby going back home and i know you live in Hamilton you call that home right now are you a Chiefs fan currently is that is that what you're you're doing I'm gonna be careful here because because yeah. <laughs> I coached the Blues woman last year and that's that's why I was asking the question I was sitting there going oh do I ask him this question or do I just do I just ask him and stick it strictly to no no allegiances yeah I'd probably prefer to take that one so and then obviously my wife is involved with the Chiefs and mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's a mixed bag there, mate. Uh, I just enjoy, I'll give a very political answer. I just enjoy watching good code. So I'm enjoying the way the Chiefs play. The there moment. you go. Okay, so I'll keep I'll keep politics and allegiances out of it. I'll, I'll sit here and go from from the Chiefs, because obviously they're still undefeated. What, what so far stands out to you about the reason why they've been able to remain defeated? Is, is it the player group? Is it their style of play? What's, what's one thing that you look at that goes, that's, that's the reason why they've been ticking along? I think I've, I have to be honest before I answer this because yeah, we're, um, because of the time difference and we're watching so much rugby in terms of our competition. I've just been watching the highlights, so the seven-minute highlights block that comes out. Um, so my answer, yeah, definitely don't take it for gospel. Um, <laughs> what I really like about the Chiefs is the speed of play they play it, um, and then I think the way they're able to keep the ball alive um, and have multi options across the field, like. I saw the other week they, they were sitting up to a box kick and then they did a crossfield kick, um, was versus the Jura, and then they went 60 metres to score. Like that type of footy is just gold, um, keeping the defences honest and um, being able to attack from anywhere is, is what I love. Um, 
hope I haven't given away too much to you about New York. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure the other teams preview us anyway, so that's fine. Mm. Uh, and then I think a massive thing is always is getting your, your key players to play well. So the way Damian McKenzie's going, Brad Weber, Sean Stevenson, uh, Takiyahu and um, Luke Jacobson, Sam Kane, like all those guys are in crucial positions and, and they're playing probably the best footy they've ever played. Um, so I think a lot has to go off to the coaches as well. Like obviously they're getting the best out of the group. They're aligned to how they want to play and um, to be able to back that up in such a tough competition, um, they're obviously doing something right there. So I think to win that many games in a row, lot, lots of things need to be going, going your way. And um, yeah, and they're definitely doing that at the moment. And it's hard to see them get beat soon. It's, sorry, it's hard to see them get beaten. Yeah, I'd, I've been looking at their schedule and I'm massive Chiefs fan, like I'm a diehard. And I agree with you. It's not it's not easy being over this side of the world and, and trying, to, trying to watch any of the games because I'm lucky to have a VPN and access to um, Stan Sport and get to watch the, the replays on, on the next day. But that's when I do have the time to do it. But um, obviously all bets are off when it comes to finals footy. And we know that an undefeated record is great, but there's still a few teams that can take it to the Chiefs any any day. So if you were to pick a couple of teams right now just based on form that could take them down in, in the finals, who who would you pick? Would you stick with the Crusaders just because of their their track record? Would you would you stick with the Blues so you can not piss off anybody with allegiances? What what's <laughs> who would you pick? Well, first of all, I'm glad you said that um, results don't matter during the season because if that was the case, we'd be in big trouble. So <laughs> we, we just need to do enough to get to the playoffs, um, yeah. which is week to week. But um, I think, you can, yeah, you can never write off the Crusaders for one. Um, I think the Brumbies are a very good side. Um, I think they're very clinical, very detailed and ac- accurate around the set piece. Um, so I think they're, they're a very good team and hard to beat. The Canes, the Canes are playing some really good footy. And then I think when you look at the Blues caliber of player as well, um, I think they're they're very good too. But yeah, I'd probably say I'd probably say the Brumbies and the Crusaders. Yeah, I would probably agree with you. The the Brumbies have probably been the most consistent team out of all of those other ones that have been coming. They've obviously been dealing with a lot of injuries and, and other things that have sparked it. But when you've got, got guys like Will Jordan coming back into the mix and, and Richie Mongus starting to really find his rhythm, um, mm. it's it's been something that you can obviously go Crusaders, Scott Robertson, the squad they've got, it's, it's ridiculous. But I'm not going to keep you for much longer because I know you're a busy man. But there's one question... Being a former fly half, I want to I want to ask you, and it's obviously come down to the the fly half battle that's currently going on. So you've obviously got Richie Moonga, who, like I said, he's been playing very well. He's been producing the goods, but he's he's heading to Japan after the World Cup. The second is Bowden Barrett, who hasn't had the best season so far, but anybody who writes him off is is crazy in my opinion because we've still seen glimpses of how much skill and experience he brings to the table, and and he plays a very unique role for the, for the Blues. And and lastly, Damien McKenzie, who's arguably been the in-form fly half, who, who's played most of his professional career at fullback and has usually looked as a utility sub for the All Blacks. So I would love to know from, from you, what have you made of this fly half battle that you've been able to see from your YouTube clips and, and a few other things that you've been able to catch up with and just in watching that? Have you just been enjoying it as a, as a purist and, and a fan or have you just been enjoying the the different styles and, and disparities? 
I, I think it's it's such a hard hard question to who who the best fit is there. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's all dependent to to how the All Blacks want to play this World Cup. Um, and I, I, for me, it doesn't matter who's going overseas next year because this is the World Cup, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's picking the best person for now. Um, if you ask me before the Super Rugby kicked off, I'd, I'd only say it's out of Mwanga and um, Barrett, but the way Damo's been playing, like, geez, <laughs> like you've almost you've almost got to give him a shot in, in yeah. these two matches coming up and um, and see how he goes. But and then saying that as well, and from not that I was anywhere near those guys, but when you're in a team and you're the ten you get a lot more confidence when you're sort of handed the keys and being like, this is your team. This is how I want you to play. We see you as the mm-hmm. guy. Um, yeah. So I th- yeah, I th- I'm sure the selectors have probably got in their mind who they think it should be. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they probably just need to go with that and align how they want to play to who's best fits that. Um, if I was coach. Oh, it's tough. It's really tough. Uh, it's probably one of the hardest questions you can ask in the world right now. It's like you sit here and go, who can play 10 for the All Blacks? Because there's there's still so many good options. When you when you look at Richie and Bodie, they're still great players. They still can produce the goods. And like you said, the, the All Blacks system is completely different to what a super rugby team is, is going to be dealing yeah. with. Like the lineups week to week, they've they've got to – it's you play based on what your coaching staff and what, what lineup you have around you. It's not as simple as – throw him in, in the line with the best players in, in New Zealand and see what happens. It, it could change drastically or it could be the exact same if you throw Damo in at 10. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough decision, that's for sure. I'd probably, for me, just off past experience, what's happened in the past few years, I'd, I'd probably go Moanga. Mm-hmm. And then at least give like Damo a go, at least in one of these test matches coming up in the rugby championship. Yeah, and I, I think imagine bringing him on um, with like 20, 25 to go, sort of what Bodie used to do, or like the 2015 yeah. World Cup, how, how he came on, whether that was at 10 or 15, literally changed the game and he won us a few games like that. Mm-hmm. I think they, that Damo doing that role could be really good. Um, and uh, But then as well, like I think for the World Cup, we're, we're chasing France and Ireland a bit at the moment in terms of the standard um, mm-hmm. of, of footy that they're playing. And maybe we do need to try something different um, to, to to make sure that we get those games. But, yeah, I'm, yeah, clearly not All Blacks coach at the moment. Hopefully one day it shows that the, the traditional model isn't isn't the same. We, we've now got Razor in there and he's, he's come from not the same method that's been happening over the years with Graham Henry and Steve Hansen. So I think anything's possible. And I think you're, you're doing an amazing job over here in America, mate. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't write it, write it off if you, that's something in the, in the cards for you, but no, I just want to say thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. I, I think it's, it's great having you coming over here to the U S and, and not just growing the game, but um, just helping look at growing the culture of rugby, especially here in America. I think it's a very sports hungry nation and i know that rugby is becoming a sport that they all love especially here in in the grassroots you you see that they they want to be here they they love playing footy and the culture doesn't change no matter where you go whether it's new zealand over to japan here in america 
the, the rugby culture is alive and thriving. And I think it's great. So I, I want to say thank you first off for coming over here. But I also want to give a sneaky shout out to, to you, Mrs. Chelsea, because I've also been following her career quite closely as a professional women's player with the Black Ferns and, and with the Chiefs as a professional player and what she's been doing in the media as well, Sky Sports and other formats to grow the game. It's It's been amazing. So any anytime you guys want to come over to LA and, and visit, I know plenty of rugby players, particularly at Santa Monica Rugby Club, who would, who would love to have a rugby power couple over here. Oh mate, um, oh no! Thanks for the shout out um, for Chelsea. She's, she's um, back home in New Zealand, and um, we've got a little girl on the way, so she's doing an awesome job of um, growing her at the moment, and um, she'll she'll be due July twenty eighth. So hopefully, hopefully we're in that final. I'll shoot shoot straight back home from Chicago um, to yeah to be there for that, and um, yeah, miss her lots. But yeah, no, I appreciate you giving her a shout out as well. She, she's doing great stuff and. I wouldn't be here without her, so I'm very grateful for her as well. That's awesome, man. Congrats to you and the fun. All, all the best with you, you and Chelsea. And yeah, I'll be hopefully coming down to uh, San Diego to watch the watch the game in, in a couple of weeks when you guys guys play the Legion. It would be great to watch you guys in person because um, I know a few of the boys that have played for LA, Roddy, Pago, um, would love to oh. see those guys in person again. So it'd be be good to have them in the mix but um yeah thank you everyone for tuning into the bonus point podcast any final shout outs you want to give james before we let you go uh no no i'm good mate um just thanks for having me on tj and um appreciate your time and um yeah hit me up in san diego and it'd be awesome to meet you in person be good mate okay well thank you everyone for tuning in uh tune into us next week we'll have a couple of episodes coming out later in the week but we will see you soon